Now, I'm stealing this from D.A. Carson because he's much wiser than me. D.A. Carson has some application on this. What does it mean to step into the lives of people who are in... I don't know if this warning passage applies to me. I'm scared that it might. First, I would like to say this. Traditionally speaking, the Catholics, when they looked at assurance, they said one can never know. Not that every Catholic believed that, but as you look at Catholic orthodoxy as a whole over the years, the Catholics pretty much just say you, you can't really know whether you're saved or not. That's kind of been the church's official stand. Luther came along in the Protestant Reformation, and he said, if you lack faith, you just need more gospel. Gospel, 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 gospel. Just give them more gospel if they lack faith. Now, in a certain sense, that's true. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. You can't go wrong with that. If somebody's struggling with the faith, then give them the gospel. But at the same time, there's some people who know the gospel and have it really well memorized, and they're still struggling with their faith and that kind of stuff. Calvin believed that assurance was not in hearing the gospel necessarily, but assurance was resting on the work of Christ, that remembering that Christ has done everything for you, and that when you feel like your works are not good enough, don't worry, they're not. (laughs) That Christ's works are good enough. And that's why you feel like they're not good enough, because they're not. So don't worry about that feeling, because it's a good feeling. I mean, not a good, good feeling, but it's a correct theological feeling. And that one should go back to the works of Christ and rest in that. He also believed that there's a Holy Spirit that speaks to you and confirms that you are a believer. Now, the struggle with that one is you've got to work kind of hard at training yourself to recognize the world's voice, the demon's voice, your voice, and the Holy Spirit's voice. And that comes with time and experience. And we'll never completely master it on this side of heaven, but you can get better at it. And then he also said a transformed life. Now, that really pretty much totally agrees with 1 John. When you go to 1 John, 1 John goes back to, how do you know you're assured? Because 1 John does the same thing. He slaps you around all the time and says, believers, they don't sin. And you're like, oh my gosh, but I sin, what do I do? And he's like, believers don't sin. You're like, oh my gosh. But then he also says, but thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we do sin, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. And so he keeps going, well, it's real. It's kind of like, there's no crying in baseball. Well, obviously, if she's crying, there is crying in baseball. But John's saying, true Christians, true people who act like their father, they don't sin. But because we don't always do that, there is a son who did act like his father, and he's given us his blood. But First John says pretty much it's the testimony of the Holy Spirit, it's the work of Jesus Christ, the blood, and it's a transformed life. Calvin pretty much took it from John. And Calvin believed that one of the strongest evidence for your assurance was transformed life. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to have a certain poundage of weight of fruit on your scale. It just means that there has to be fruit. And the other thing we need to be very careful of, too, is is there's two kinds of fruits. There's the internal fruit and the external fruit. And sometimes some people were so far away from God that before they can really start producing external fruit, there's got to be a lot of fruit in their mind. Their mind is so far away from God that they can't produce any kind of external fruit until the mind starts getting cleaned up 
and changed and redeemed. And it's easy for us to look at them and say, oh my gosh, it's been two years and you're still acting like that. I don't see any fruit. But at the same time, they could say, yeah, but my mind and my desires are so different. And that's the other thing we need to remember too. Yes, we need to look at people's fruit and we need to say, I don't really see it there. But at the same time, we don't condemn them because we didn't see fruit. Because we're not as astute to seeing everything as God is. And so, but there should be some fruit. Even the thief on the cross produced fruit in the few minutes that he had left before he died. He might have not stood up in a, as a church pastor fruit, but it was fruit. Some people, they constantly are trying to work. There's the first kind of person, they always are trying to work their salvation. They always feel like they need to do more. They need to do more. They need to work on, oh God, I'll change more. I'll try better next time. And for them, they need more gospel. For them, they need to be reminded of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so when somebody comes to you and they're really struggling with whether they're really truly saved or not, because they don't feel like they're doing enough. I remember, um, well, it was Josh Four. You know the Fours that come to this church, but Josh Four was, I mean, I knew him when he was a wee little boy. And I remember he coming in, and one day as an elementary school kid, he came up to me, and he was actually had tears in his eyes. I remember saying, like, I don't really know if I'm saved or not, and I just don't feel like I'm reading my Bible enough. And I was like, well, okay. The first thing I would ask is, well, how much are you reading the Bible? He's like, only like 30 or 40 minutes a day. And I was like, dude, you're good. You're totally good. I mean, not that that's like enough, but like... <laughs> I don't think you need to worry about your lack of salvation if you're doing 30 or 40 minutes a day as an elementary school kid. Okay? So sometimes they need to just be reminded of the gospel. The gospel. It's not about your works. It's about your heart. And your heart wants to know God. And your heart wants to read the Bible. And your heart is not satisfied with only 30 or 40 minutes. And that's all that's necessary. The finished work of Jesus Christ. And to that person, they just need to be reminded that Christ has done it all. And they need more gospel. On the other hand, there are those who are committed believers. They've been in the church. They've heard the gospel. They can quote scripture left and right all over the place. And they know all the truths and the facts, but they're still struggling with their lack of assurance. And to them, the first question you ask themselves is, how much have you been reading your Bible lately? There's a lot of believers who have memorized a lot of scripture and they're doing some really great things in the church. But life, we know what life is like. Sometimes it feels like we're living in a pinball machine. And the Word of God gets put to the side, especially when your kids are involved in that sport and that music thing, and you're involved in that program. And one thing is when my wife and I realized at our old church is we were at church a lot, and we were at church too much. And everything was over-programmed. And we basically just quit everything. And we decided that it was much easier to quit everything and then pray about what to put back on the table than to pray about what to take off. Because you're, when you're committed, it's hard to hear God's voice to say, remove it. When you get rid of it all, it's much easier to hear it to put it back on. And so we had to do that. I'm not saying everybody has to do it, but that's what we had to do. And help going to a different church too. Not that that was a reason, but that was just an easy clearing the table off. And so the question is, are you in the Bible? Are you in the Word of God? And the other question I want to ask you is, how deep is your Bible study? Okay? 
some, and I would really say, like, Max, and this is no offense to anybody, Max Lucado, Our Daily Bread, those are great devotionals. But there's a certain point after you've been a Christian for so long, you should be moving on. They're phenomenal. They're amazing men of God. They're amazing devotionals. They have their place. There are some people who can never, ever get to a deep Christianity without those things first. But there's a point after you've been a Christian and in the church for so long, you should be moving on to solid food. And so the question is, some people really have a desire for God's Word, but they're intellectual late bloomers. Some people want to have a depth for God's Word, but they just don't know where to go to get deeper truth and words and Bible studies. And so to you, I would say, how much you've been reading your Bible? And if you have been reading your Bible, what's the depth of your intellectual? Sometimes it might be the point where maybe your devotions also includes a commentary. Maybe it includes listening to a 30-minute lecture on D.A. Carson where half the stuff is going to go over your head, but that's okay. But the great thing about YouTube is you can keep listening to it. Okay? And so, and obviously, I don't have to say anything to that area because you guys are coming here on a weekly basis. So... But that's what I would say to the person struggling with their assurance. They know the gospel. They've memorized scripture. They're involved in Sunday school class. They've done all these kind of things. But there's still a question. The question you would have is, how much are you reading your Bible? And how deep is your Bible study now? Are you still doing the same depth as you did when you first became a Christian? Or have you moved deeper? And if they can answer that question satisfactorily, then the next question is, is there a sin in your life that you won't let go? Because a lot of times when people are struggling with their assurance, they're either not giving enough time to God or a deep enough conversation to God. I mean, you guys know what it's like in marriages and friendships. You can be in the same house with your spouse day in and day out. But if you're not talking, like sit down on the couch talking or across the table or in the car, then your relationship, your marriage is not going to go deeper. And so and then the next thing you need to ask yourself is, is there a sin in your life that's either unconfessed or no matter how many times you confess it, you're just kind of going through the motions of confession because you really don't want to give it up. And in that sense, they need to bring the sin out into the light and they need the body of Christ to come around them and provide encouragement. They need the Word of God to begin to transform their lives and they need accountability. And a lot of times assurance comes down to those three things. They're either trusting too much in their works rather than the finished work of Christ. They're not really in their Bible like they should be, or the depth is not sufficient, or there's some kind of unconfessed sin that they're holding on to that won't come out into the light. And that's the questions. And then I'm not saying that's going to be like 100% of every single case, but that covers a lot of bases in a lot of people's lives. And so that's what we need to ask ourselves is, are we assuring people, oh, don't worry. You've got a stamp in your Bible that said you accepted Christ when you're four years old. Or are we coming to their life and asking the hard questions? Do we fully understand the gospel? You know, some people came from churches where the gospel wasn't clearly communicated, and they came up with a genuine conviction and a genuine desire to know Christ. And they really, truly became saved. But they didn't fully grasp the finished work of Jesus Christ because either they were too young to fully understand it, the pastor didn't communicate it well, or whatever. And they just need to really have a good understanding. Some people need more Bible, and some people need confessed sin. Because the Bible's not interested 
and giving you assurance if you have no desire to know God. Because see, what we want in our feel-good, microwave, fast-food, remote-control society, instant gratification, where America has the highest self-esteem in academics but the lowest performance in the world, we need to ask the question, when we're doubting whether we're truly saved or not, God is not interested in just giving you an epistemological Well, did you accept Christ or not? Yep, okay, you're good. You can be assured. The Bible's not interested ever, ever in assuring you of your salvation if you have no desire to know God and there's unconfessed sin that you're pursuing in your life. Now, listen, we all have sins that we've been struggling for a long time and sometimes and will be struggling for a long time. But the question is, are you confessing them? The questions are they in the light? The questions are there people in your life helping you hold yourself accountable to that? Are there safeguards? That's not the question. The question is, yes, I sinned again in this area, but I repented more quickly this time than last time. I went longer before I sinned again this time than last time. I moved quicker to apologize and fix broken relationships this time than I did last time. That's the questions we need to be asking. And if we're doing that, then you're in the light. But if there's sin that you're not confessing, if there's sin that you're not owning up to, if there's sin that you're not bringing in the light, there's sin that you refuse to get accountability for, then the Bible is not interested in giving you assurance. If you have no desire to read the Word of God, if you have no desire to pray, if you have no desire to know God more, or if you kind of do, but you never ever make a schedule change, the Bible is not interested in giving you assurance. Just like your spouse is not interested in giving you assurance that everything is okay between the two of you when you never come home and you never talk to them. And that's the thing we need to be careful of. In our society, we want assurance based on some kind of real-life fact of something that we did on this day. And the Bible only gives you assurance. If, if, but you, you're persevering. You've got fruit. You can look at a life where things have changed. You, I'm convinced, of better things. Notice nowhere it said, but you went up front and said, Jesus, God, you are not unsaved. Nor does there. You confessed on July 4th, 1983. The Bible, if you go through the Bible, look at the time that the Word gives you assurance and always says, but you have changed. You are at work in other people's lives. You desire to know God. You have a transformed life. You read the Bible. You are a believer. Who has assurance of their salvation? Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And test me and see if there's any anxious thoughts in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. If that's your heart, then you have assurance. And that's why I said, if you're really worried, if you're the person who's not saved, if you're really worried that if this warning applies to you, it doesn't. (laughs) Because you want to know God. And you want to pursue Him. And now I would say adjust your schedule to make it possible. And if you're doing that, you have assurance. Does that make sense? And if that's true in our human relationships, then that's true of God too. Here's the other thing. If, if committing sins against a God that you didn't know is deserving enough of sending you to hell, 
And how much grievous is it to know God in His salvation and say, screw it all, and walk away? If you think that's too harsh of a warning from God, then think about all the people who've never known Christ, who've never known the cross, and yet are still condemned to hell because of their sins. How much more will the person who knows the finished work of Christ, knows the Word of God, has participated in the faith, has been involved in the church, has said yes to Christianity, and then the end says, you know what, I don't really want this. I don't really want to accept Christ. I don't really want anything to do with Him. How much more grievous is that sin? And then say, how dare God to say, it's impossible for them to come back, for Christ would have to be crucified again. We're less lucky that we have a chance to come to Christ at all. And that's the other thing we need to remember when we think this warning is way too harsh. And therefore, it must not be true. But of you, who sacrifice and rearrange schedules and come, I am convinced of better things. Now, take that and disciple those in your life who are questioning their assurance. And that's all we can do. That's all we can do. And then pray, 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 pray. And I'll confess, I'm not good at that one. I could always do better at that. Any questions? Comments? Does that help? That's my best attempt to bring it in perspective. (laughs) Okay, this is a difficult, huge, emotional, deep topic. Now, That doesn't mean that two nights wraps this up perfectly for you in this feel-good little bow of understanding God's Word. Okay, I know where I sit theologically on this issue, but it still doesn't make me all feel warm and fuzzy inside. Okay, and it doesn't mean that I've completely figured it all out, and it doesn't mean that I have the answer for everything. So there's this is a lifetime journey. Nor does it mean that you have to agree with me. Um, But I would say this: the majority of scholars take this view. The majority of scholars. And so, democracy is not always right. (laughs) Because if it was, then Christianity is not true. (laughs) But at the same time, when you look at the body of Christ who's being led by the Holy Spirit, then when the majority of Christians take a certain view for hundreds and thousands of years, then one has to ask the question, is that the correct view? Because I do believe that democracy is not always true. But when it comes to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, well, yeah, it is. When you're being led by the Spirit, the Spirit usually speaks to the majority. Because no matter how jacked up the church looks and no matter how much time we have failed, the church is still pretty amazing because Christ is in the church. And there's still a lot of great things that the church is doing. And God speaks through the church. And one has to look at what the church has held and its view cross-cultural, cross-time for hundreds of years. You've got to come up with some really good evidence to say that's the wrong view. And I'm not saying that's always true. I'm just saying that bears some weight. Does that make sense? It's not an absolute guarantee that's the right view, but it does bear some weight and considerations. 